pray with me, would you? Lord, even as we sing those words, we're so mindful, God, of the power of Christ. When He rose from the dead, He granted to all who would believe in His resurrection that very same power that raised Him from the dead. So God, as we come together today, we face myriad challenges personally. God, let me think of people going through tremendous trials like, oh, I just think of Brian, God. I just cry out to him. You reveal yourself to him as he, as he loves his father to the end. Strengthen him, Kristen. Strengthen Brendan and Carol and their whole family, Lord, in this personal trial. God, thank you that your power is sufficient for them in the midst of this very personal trial. But God, we also face together, even as Jesus' disciples did challenges, cultural challenges, Lord, to, to who we understand ourselves to be and, and what truth is, God. And, and particularly here in, in North America, God, we, we seem so very confused about what is true and what is not? What is right side up and what is upside down? Oh, God, we need the power of Christ. We need the truth of Christ, Lord, to be so real to us, God, on our hearts and in our minds and on our tongues, God, so that people would not perish, but Come to the saving knowledge of truth. To come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And God, we think globally and we stand again after so many decades on the precipice of Holocaust, God. Of, of genocide. We, we stand globally, God, as if nothing had ever happened. As if we never learned anything. We grab for things that were not meant to be ours and and then wound and hurt and even kill people to get what we want. Oh, God, thank you that your power is available for us. We're not helpless sitting in the sanctuary, sitting in our living rooms, participating live stream. God, we're not helpless at all. You have given us everything we need in Jesus Christ to proclaim truth, to Pray through these trials until nothing remains but the glory of God. So God, we cry out to you at the individual level, at the corporate level, at the international level. We lift up Jesus Christ and claim his power till he returns, God. Or, or as so real to so many of us, or calls us home. We're going to stand. Jesus, in your power. And thank you again that you always give us everything we need for life, for understanding, for faith. You even give us words to pray, God, when, when we're not sure how to pray. So together we offer to you the prayer Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Well, open your word, the word, would you? Um, might be your Bibles. It might be on your phone. Um, open your words to uh, a surprise place here as we continue our journey with Jesus. Would you open them to the book of Proverbs? To the book of Proverbs, chapter 2. To the book of Proverbs, chapter 2. Carol, I'm not sure. Yeah, we do have it on the slides. Great. It's going to sound unrelated, but listen carefully. Let the Word of God wash over you. And then I'll try and tie in this scripture as with our New Testament scripture a little later. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Look at all the verbs in this passage. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. If you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then will you understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the path of justice and watching over the way of his saints. The very word of God. Mm. And now if you'll turn to the New Testament, to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16. I apologize, I did not make it all the way through our passage last uh, week. Um, so I wanted to pick up where we left off. I kind of knocked uh, several things off kilter. But um, I, I don't want to miss um, the power of God's Word, especially in this passage. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to um, pick it and pluck it a little bit here um, from part of last week's Scripture and, and then also this week's as well. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick it up, if I can, in Matthew chapter 16 from Jesus' question to the disciples. Remember from last week, it was a plural question to you, you corporately. And he's asking us today, corporately, verse, uh, in verse 16, excuse me, 15, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter, as we saw last week, replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him. Now, initially he said to them, but Simon Peter answered. Now Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, Bar-Jonah. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Now jump with me just a couple of verses to 21, our passage for today. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he, Jesus, must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things. And suffer many things, right? From the elders, from the chief priests, from the scribes, this list of, of people uh, in leadership over the people of God. He must suffer many things and be killed and on the third day be raised, right? A prelude to the resurrection. 
And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Peter began to rebuke Jesus, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. Wow. But Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. Now, we translated that that word literally right there, but it also means adversary. Get behind me. Peter, you're being used by the evil one. You are a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your minds on the things of God, but on the things of man. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross, Luke adds daily, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he, gain, if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? And what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man, that's Jesus' name for himself, the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly, I say to you, Jesus said, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. The very word of God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your word. It never returns to you void. God, I'm so especially mindful today of, of uh, how rich these few words, the short passage is. Holy Spirit, would you take my words, would you take the thoughts and intentions of all of our hearts and, and receive them? As, as a fragrant offering, a, a, an act of worship, a, a testimony of love. God, would you receive them? Uh, o oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, wow, I want to go um, a little bit in high gear. And the reason it might seem fast for some of you is, is because I'm going to touch on some things that, that we've learned together on our journey over the years. And uh, forgive us if, we're, if we move fast through something that might be a new concept to you. I'm trusting and, and praying and believing that, uh, that God would give you the grace to spin up and follow along with us. But then I want to uh, get to the core of our passage today. Do you remember when, when um, well, uh, I know it's artificial, but do you remember when you first understood the love of God for you? When it first became real for you. It's okay if you don't. For many of you, you swam in that water your whole life. Your parents set you apart from birth. They prayed for you and, and placed you in a Christian environment where that would be everything that you knew. But for many of us, um, either that wasn't true. Um, we didn't swim in those waters. Or uh, at some point, we kind of walked away from it on our own. And... And had to had to come back to the gospel. Well, I remember uh, with joy when Christ became real to me. And uh, but I also had this this phenomenal other experience, this time in my life where where I 
I not only understood that he saved me from my sin, that my eternity was now inexorably tied up with his, that, but also that he wanted to be involved in my life right now. I, I have, and I'm sorry, um, I have no other words to describe it other than to say that time when I came to understand the Lordship of Christ. That he not only had an eternity set apart for me, but he wanted me to live in his kingdom now. He wanted to, to invite me to trust him in every circumstance of my life. And, and that was a phenomenal one. I've shared with you many stories from that adventure over the course of our time together. But then there came a time also when I began to understand that, um, that he had a purpose for my life. And, and I could live into that purpose purpose and partner with him in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was not just about securing my own eternity. It was about joining with him in, in expressing the love of God for people who don't yet know him. And, and, and that was like another phenomenal experience. And, and uh, I want to remind you of your journey today because um, it moves way beyond our own personal salvation. It moves into a partnership with God for the sake of a world that doesn't need him. Now, that sounds good, doesn't it? I'm, I'm amazing. I'm, I'm amazed when people invite me to partner with them in something. And we're so amazed that our sister church invited us to partner in reaching this neighborhood. I just love that, right? But here's the challenge. Um, if we partner with Jesus, then likely what will happen, what happened to Jesus, the good, the bad, the ugly, will happen to us as well. And even now, as we meet in such beauty, the sun shining in the stained glass windows, right? Such beauty and peace here. There are people in basements with bombs going off, worshiping, right? Doing the same thing in completely different environments. Oh, God never said that if you follow me, you're, you're not going to suffer. No, he's, he kind of said the opposite, you know. It's going gonna, it's gonna to challenge every aspect of your life. So, it's critically important to, to uh, understand that and to know that ahead of time. If I know stepping off a curb that there's a 55-mile-an-hour street and there's a truck going by, it's going to make a difference, right? And how I how I live. Um, Jesus says, I want you to know. I want you to know the glory of an eternity spent with me. But I also want you to know that this world is not going to receive that very well. And you're going to be pressed physically, emotionally, uh, spiritually. You're going to be oppressed sometimes because of the declaration you make about me. Because of what you believe about me. But let's pick up some pieces for a second because we're going to need them to see the larger picture. First of all, this amazing passage um, confirms something that we know to be true, but it's so cool to see it periodically in Scripture. God is revealing his wisdom to his people, right? God is revealing his wisdom to his people. Now, we've talked before. Here's where I'm going to go a little fast. We've talked before about Romans chapter 1, about 
Psalms chapter 8, where, where, um, where we get this testimony that everything you need to know about God, you can understand in creation, right? So those are without excuse, that question about what those who never heard about Jesus, right? Paul says, that's no excuse. That's no excuse. God is revealing himself. Just to, um, as I, I, it was, I have not adjusted to the time change. It was still dark when I came in this morning, and, and there was uh, like a sliver of a moon and a planet, and, and the stars were out, and it was, creation was just declaring this morning. As I came to the church, the, the glory of God. And, and so, so creation is revealing God's wisdom, and, and, and if, you, if you immerse yourself in it, I uh, love so much um, going to the ocean. I love so much going to the forest. If you immerse yourself in God's creation, uh, creation will declare his glory. But for us especially, there's another kind of revelation, not natural revelation like creation, but special revelation. God loved you so much that he intervened in natural revelation and and spoke to you truth. He does it several ways. He does it through his written word, the word of God, the Bible, right? He does it also in this combination of the written word and the spoken word through his Holy Spirit. He reveals things to us. We have these aha moments uh, as, as we proclaim the word of God and as it finds a home in, in people's hearts. That he does it especially through Jesus, the living word, right? Both the written word, the spoken word, every aspect of our life point to one thing. And that one thing is Jesus. Do you see why uh, 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 Jesus was asking so pointedly his disciples, who do you say that I am? Because who you say that I am is going to affect every other aspect of your being, right? Who do you say that I am? It's about Jesus. It's about the living word. But God is not only revealing his wisdom to his people. Biblical wisdom is saving truth. Biblical wisdom is saving truth. I add the adjective saving to it because a truth is a very relative term in our culture, right? In, in our culture, people say whatever your truth is, is yours and whatever. No, because my truth cannot save me. Right? My truth got me into this mess. And, and it cannot get me out of it. Um, biblical wisdom is saving truth. It can transform your eternity. And as we said earlier, it can also transform your present right now. It can change your life right now. I've been praying. God, let your truth be so clear today that people are able to adjust their lives right now. Oh, a memory verse that we've memorized many times is Second Timothy three sixteen and 17. All Scripture, the Apostle Paul says, is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for also reproof, for correction, not only pointing out what's out of culture, but also getting it back on track and for training in right relationships, training in righteousness. Why? So that we can be complete. Equipped for every good work, right? God is desiring to complete that process that he began in you. So that you may be perfect and complete. Equipped for every good work. Well, how do we get wisdom? How do we get wisdom? 
And let me just say again, point blank, and, and this is Dave hanging in the breeze again, but, but God freely gives wisdom to those who ask. What are you talking about? Remember James? Oh, right after the verse that talks about our struggles. Consider it all joy when you encounter various trials, right? Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect results so you can be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And then the next line that he says, right? If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all, to all without reproach. And it will be given to him, right? And, and, and so we're kind of put in this corner where everything that we kind of grew up with is, is challenged by the word of God, right? Um, we, we, you're saying to me, Dave, and, and, I'm, uh, and James is saying to us over the two, two millennia since he wrote these words, um, God gives wisdom freely to anyone who asks it. Uh, wait, I thought wisdom was this amazing integration of, of life. I thought wisdom was something you had to strive for and attain over decades of perseverance, right? Um, he's saying, you can have it today. You can have the wisdom of God today. I'm not talking about, I'm not pretending that you're going to have all the wisdom of God. But you can, you can pick up a nugget of it right now. Right now, right? Now, here's the bugaboo, right? Um, just because we have the wisdom of God doesn't mean we understand it. Let me just give you a case in point. Um, I have, I have the wisdom of God in my hand, right? I know this is a personal statement of faith. I believe the Bible to be the wisdom of God, and I have it right here. Does that mean I understand it completely? No, no. But. Uh, did you hear Proverbs 2? I told you that was going to come back and get us, right? Um, uh, I have an opportunity to understand it. Again, our conventional wisdom is that, is that you um, put yourself in an internship, you uh, go to school, you study, 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 and you gain knowledge, right? And then, and then hopefully somebody, somebody's gone the journey before you, puts those pieces of the knowledge puzzle together and, and you begin to have understanding, right? And then, and then if you live in understanding for, for seven decades, then maybe, maybe um, at some point you become wise. And it seems like the, the Bible is turning that upside down, right? It seems like the Bible is saying, no, you can ask for wisdom and it will be given to you. And if any of you... Ask, I will be delighted and honored and blessed to give you the wisdom of God. I will hand it to you and, and rejoice as you immerse yourself in it. But then over time, because, uh, because you uh, have received that wisdom of God, you gain understanding of it. And aren't you working backwards, Mr. It looks like it until you understand what knowledge is in the Bible. Knowledge is not intellectual assent. Knowledge is intimate relationship, right? What will you discover if you receive the wisdom of God, if you strive to understand it? What will you discover? You will discover the knowledge of God. You will experience an intimate personal relationship with a living God. 
Oh my goodness. So it turns it upside down. But the challenge is, if you thought, well, wow, we're going to skate right out of all that school and all that work. Not at all. Not at all. Understanding the wisdom of God may take work. Right? That's what Proverbs 2 was all about. Those verbs. Let me just pick off a few of them. You've got to receive his words. You've got to treasure up his commandments within you. You've got to make your ear attentive to wisdom and incline your heart to understanding. You've got to call out. And the implication is out loud. God, give me insight. You've got to raise your voice for understanding. Right? I raised my voice again many times last week um, for Purdue. Can we, can we have like a moment of silence for UCLA, right? Oh, my goodness. My wife and my dog teamed up to make a bracket, and they're winning. They're winning out of all of our family systems. My wife and our dog, Winnie, are winning the bracket challenge, right? And, and all of us, with all those machinations and courageous choices, right, I love it because it's kind of a parable of, of spiritual wisdom as well. We do all these things, don't we? And we, we strive for all this stuff. And we have this perfect plan all together. And God says, I've got a much better plan. I'm rooting for St. Peter's, by the way, now. Because nobody else is left, right? Kentucky's gone. Indiana's gone. Purdue's gone. UCLA's gone. Go St. Pete, right? Vote for the underdog. Now, I just said that, and you know what that's going to mean, right? So, God, God is offering us the wisdom of eternity. He's offering us this incredible wisdom. But make no mistake, that's why I'm so grateful for all of you who, who risk uh, getting up early, doing what you need to do to be able to spend time in God's Word this morning. I'm so grateful for those of you who, who join small groups and, and open God's Word together. Isn't it cool when someone else, God speaks through someone else in your small group and gives you an insight that you never would have come to on your own? That's part of God's design. I'm so grateful that you come here. And, and uh, it was like 28 degrees this morning when I left. We come here on a cold morning and, and put yourself in a place where you can hear God's word. Um, I'm, I'm so grateful for the work that you put into it. I'm going to believe that God is going to give you understanding of his wisdom. And as you do that, that you're going to discover the intimate relationship. You're going to discover the knowledge of God. But I want to look a little further with this because um, Jesus is raising the ante here. Um, he, um, when we verbally affirm God's wisdom, when we verbally affirm what God has said to be true, right? God reveals his plans and his purposes. What am I talking about? Who do you say that I am? Jesus said to all the disciples. Simon Peter answered him, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. You remember Jesus replied, blessed are you. Blessed are you, Simon Peter, right? For flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven, right? So, so God gave Peter... Wisdom, and he verbally expressed it. Now, you'd think this is just going to be another little truth that you write on your paper. And, but, um, beloved, think about this for a second. God has given you his wisdom, right? And it's counter to the culture around you. 
And, and you can do like most of the disciples did in that particular incident. Later on, they completely were changed. But you can do like most of them did and just keep really quiet, right? As all sorts of other false truths float around. Or you can risk verbalizing what God has revealed to you through his written word, through his living word, through, through his um, spoken word to be true. You can verbally affirm what God has said. Now, look what happened when Peter did that, right? Um, Jesus dumped the blessing truck on him, right? Uh, um, Simon, Peter, and, and we didn't read the whole passage we did last week. Uh, I gave you the keys to the kingdom. On this rock, I will build my church. Whatever you loose in heaven will be loosed on earth. Whatever you bind in heaven. He gave him just incredible insights. And we explored a little bit last week. That's not just for one person in, a, in, a, in Rome, right? That is for every believer who believes what God says, right? Um, God has given you amazing impact and influence in a world. And we've got to start living into that. We've got to start um, proclaiming what God has said to be true and allowing him to use us. But um, when we verbally affirm what God has said to be true, he reveals his plans. Did you see what happened next? And this is where we now have have moved beyond beyond last week's lesson. And I want you to hear that again, right? When when Peter affirmed, now I'm in 1 Corinthians, not... Uh, Matthew, when Peter affirmed who Jesus is, then Jesus, uh, verse 21, from that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, that he must be killed. I mean, just imagine, we're so used to that concept. They had no concept. They should have. It was there in Isaiah 53. Um, but, but like us, they, they selectively listened to different portions of the wisdom of God. And, and now Jesus is saying, you just finally verbalized who I am. And I want you to know that, that I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be killed. Oh, my goodness. I mean, if one of us. And forgive me again if I step on your heart right here. Came with that knowledge that that they were going to die, we would be horror-struck, right? We would, uh, it would, it would raise up so much emotion. In us. That's why I want you to walk with Jesus this, this holy season, because, because we've forgotten the impact, you know. It, we, we're so used to it that it no longer affects us. We've forgotten the impact of these truths. I'm going to Jerusalem, I'm going to die. And do not miss that he also said, and on the third day, be raised again. It was the first of five times that he told his disciples what was going to happen before it happened. Um, Jesus revealed to, to Peter his plans and purposes. So, so it's when we respond to the truth that we already have given in God's word that God gives us more insight into what he's doing, into where he's going into what his plans are for us, right? Well, we know what happened. Um, and I, I'm not, I'm not um, 
trying to denigrate Peter. He did exactly what I would do. No way, Jesus. I'm never going to let that happen. How many times have you, have you said that? Someone revealed that, that something traumatic was going to happen in their life. And, and, and you said, I'm going I'm to do everything in my power to save you from that, right? How did that work for you? Right? Oh, my goodness, you couldn't. You couldn't, right? You don't have the power of life or death. You have the power of the wisdom of God. And sometimes that wisdom of God takes us to places we would never have chosen to go. So, so Peter said, it will not happen to you. And, and uh, wow, uh, Jesus responded so sharply. He rebuked. Well, the word that's used to, to talk about how Peter spoke to Jesus was the word rebuke. And then Peter turned right, or Jesus turned right around. Peter rebuked Jesus, and Jesus turned around and rebuked Peter. Get behind me. It's, it's a double entendre to a certain extent because, because he, Peter was opposing the things of God right there. Peter was the adversary, but we know where that comes, right? We didn't do it this time, but oftentimes when we begin a study of, of following Jesus, we go all the way back to the temptations in the wilderness and over and over again. Satan tried to say, there's another way. You don't have to complete God's plan. There's another way for this to happen. And 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 Jesus said, no, there's no other way. If I if I don't follow God's plan for my life, then there will be no salvation for the people who follow me. If Jesus had given into Peter's advice, then we would not be sitting here today. Right. Un, unbelievable truth. So so everything we think, everything we say Everything we do either affirms or denies someone. Okay? I'll borrow that from me for just a second. I'll, I'll try and flesh it out. Come on up, worship team. They gave me the little signal. They stood up in the back. Um, everything we think, say, or do either affirms or denies someone. And in the context of the story right here, I'm going to say it either uh, affirms or denies ourselves or it affirms or denies Jesus, right? When we deny what God has said to be true, we become a stumbling block to others. And we oppose Jesus. We move from a, from a partnership to a, an opposition relationship, an adversarial relationship with Jesus, when we deny what God has said to be true, we become a stumbling block to others and oppose the very purposes of God. But, but when we affirm what God has said to be true, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. We become a stepping stone for others. And part, now that very same rock, becomes a part of the foundation for a community of faith, right? With Christ being the cornerstone. My beloved, what do you believe about Jesus? Who do you say that he is? Can you say, I believe you are the Christ? Christ. 
the Son of the living God. Would you say that with me? I believe you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Oh my goodness, flesh and blood has not revealed that to you. But your Father in heaven, right? Who you say Christ is, is critically important. But in order for Christ to be Christ, there's going to come a time when you have to deny yourself. When you have to say, I recognize Jesus that your purpose is to go to the cross and I will take up my cross. I will take up my cross and follow you there. Right? We can't. We can't experience the joy of resurrection if we're not willing to go with Jesus to the cross. Oh, I want you so much to have that joy. I want you so much to have that power. But you've got to decide who you're going to affirm. Is it going to be you? Or is it going to be Jesus? And to affirm Jesus is going to be to deny Yourself. Now, I'm going to take you someplace we're going to go again on Good Friday real quick. Um, do you remember when Peter denied Jesus three times what he said? He said, I don't know this man. Right? I don't know this man. Why am I acting like this is comfort to you? Because I have to confess that I look at myself and I say, I do not know this man. Honestly, where did that thought come from? Where did that stupid expression, I've said several of them today already, come from? I don't know this guy, right? To deny yourself is not just to become an ascetic and to flagellate yourself with a stick, right? It means to say, I don't know myself, so I'm going to focus instead on knowing you and trust Jesus that you give me my identity. Fair enough? Fair enough. So Jesus is inviting us to what looks for all the world like a terrible journey that is actually a beautiful one. Where no longer do we depend on our own resources. No longer do we ask ourselves, am I enough, right? Do I have what it takes? Is there enough money to make it to retirement? Is there, is there enough wisdom to um, impart to my children? Well, all those questions that we ask ourselves, am I enough? We never have to ask that anymore, right? Because we have a much better question. It's my, my question for you. Is Christ enough for you, right? Because Everything else pales in the light of that question. If Christ is enough for you, then it makes all the difference. As we, as we close our service, I just want you to, to wrestle with that question and understand the implications. It's going to mean that you're going to have to say no to yourself. It's going to mean that you have to say no uh, to the culture around you and to the false wisdom that this cult- culture offers. This is going to mean that you say no to everything of this temporal life and trust God to provide for you everything you need. Oh, Jesus, thank you that you are enough for us. Would you say that Christ is enough for me? Christ is enough for me.